From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeling. All right, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast. I'm Eric Wakeling, and we are excited for today's conversation, right, Matt? Yes, we are. My name is Matt Doan, also one of the pastors here at Calvary Church. We're excited because we're joined by the founder and the CEO of Maven, which is Brett Kunkel. Brett, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast. Hey, it is a privilege to be talking to two fellow guys in ministry and Biola alum. That is right. That is the main way that we were originally connected, all of us at Biola. I think I'm the old man here as a, You're definitely the old as a 96 grad, but you, Brett... Uh, a whole year later, 97. That's and right. then uh, 98 for the young one in the group. Oh, there you go. So yeah, we were all at Biola at the same time. Like I met you in a class, I think, just at Biola. We were both CE majors, which... That's right. Was... CE majors and then tried to surf as much as possible when uh, we could. Exactly, exactly. Where do you... From Biola, what's the closest place to go? Huntington, I think. Yeah, right? Huntington. Yeah, yeah. On like Beach or... Beach Valley Boulevard. View. Yeah. So right, just curious. Yeah. Yeah. We had some good times. Like, uh, I can't remember if I think you were there at one of the like dark, um, dark night surfs on Valentine's Day. I don't know if you were at that no, one. I never. No, you never the surfed night. the night. Oh, oh man. Scary. OK, so, yeah, I was just kind of like mixing the groups. But I remember we had this thing where a bunch of us had just gotten like all of our girlfriends had broken up with us. And so we went night surfing on Valentine's Day and just were bitter about girls. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the value of a biology. education. This is. Yeah. If, if anybody wants, you know, to know what you'll get for your kids at Biola, it will be more than this. But that is the bonding of deep relationships. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so any other ways you're connected here to Calvary Church? Yes, actually. Um, gosh, there's been a number of staff members I've known. I mean, from Eric to um, Scott Van Essen. Yes. A good friend for years since our Biola days. That's right. He's been an accountability partner. He's mm-hmm. been a huge supporter of our ministry. Mm-hmm. And he's been an elder here at the church. Yeah. Uh, other relationships. Oh, had we've done a, a partnership with um, the school. Yes, that's and huge. Uh, come and doing some speaking and teaching in the Bible classes, and so yeah, yep. there's a number of relationships. And you there. are a former resident of my neighborhood, Santa Ana, but now you live in what city? That's right. We moved over to the other part of Santa Ana, yes. or sometimes called North Tustin. Um, <laughs> Yeah, sorry. So you're, you're local. You're local here to Calvary. Yes, yeah. very close by. Yeah, and it's great to have you preach here at Calvary and excited about just continuing, you know, in ministry partnership with you. But but let's just, you know, for anybody, even if they weren't there necessarily to hear you speak, but just what is Maven? You know, because that's kind of an ambiguous name at some level. Like, what yeah. does that mean? Okay, that's right. what's going on? That's one of the reasons we chose a name. Because yeah. not a lot of people know what a maven is. A maven is simply someone who is an expert or knowledgeable in a certain area, and they seek to pass that on to others. Okay. So you good. might have a finance maven or a fashion maven, you know, and and, and that's what we want to be with God's truth hmm. uh, for uh, the next generation. And so our primary target audience is young people, junior high, high school, college, and younger. Uh, but then our secondary audience is the adults who are discipling that, that generation. And we want, uh, specifically our mission is to help them know truth, uh, pursue goodness, and create beauty for the cause of Christ, for Christ's kingdom. Uh, and that's, we, we, we uh, kind of worded our mission that way to really be holistic, to capture that uh, there's a deep knowledge of the truth that's a part of the Christian life, that's essential 
I, I think, to uh, you know, life with Christ. But then that is lived out as we pursue goodness, as we, uh, as we, we, we do good works for his kingdom out of thankfulness for the truth that we know hmm. and the redemption that we have. And then it's cre- you know, creating beauty. All that we do is, is beautiful because it points back to the beautiful one. And so it's really kind of helping the next generation know what they believe, why they believe it, why it matters, and how it plays out in their lives. So that's what Maven's about. And then how they can be then a Maven of that and pass that on to someone else at some point, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So they're yeah. they're Mavens of Christian truth, <laughs> and then they they uh, they also pass that on to others and create other Mavens. So yes, that's yeah, that's the name. I like that. I like uh, that. Well. So from disciples creating disciples to Mavens creating Mavens, you know, maybe that's a little right. more, a little yeah, works a little better in our modern culture, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, cool. Exactly. So okay, so that's what you started. Your that's what you're running. But then I'm kind of just curious of some of the road to that. I mean, when I met you and we were at Biola, we were both in youth ministry. You know, working you know working in youth groups, doing that. Yeah. Because um, so that's kind of you know the last time I really wanted to talk to you. No, just kidding. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but what took you along some of that road from, you know, you're at Biola, you're doing some youth ministry, and then how'd you get to this point? Yeah. Well, I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. I was a I was a church kid. In fact, I mean, I, I would say I was kind of like the ideal church kid where I was at everything, <laughs> you know, my parents were fully in, so I was fully in. I'm at every, you know, uh, children's event, uh, Awana, whatever program it was, and then in youth ministry... I became a student leader in our, our youth ministry, was totally committed. Eventually, my junior year in high school, made a decision to go into full-time ministry. And, and junior year in high school? That's pretty early. That's yeah, incredible. I had, had a great youth pastor who just mentored mm. me right into ministry, gave me a heart for ministry. I saw the impact it had on me. And then I go off to college. My freshman year in college, uh, I went to uh, Mount San Antonio College, Mount Sac. Oh, yeah. And did two years at a junior college, but my freshman year, I had Philosophy 101 with Hmm. Professor David Lane. And he's the PhD, he's the smart guy. And uh, basically what he did that semester was he just dismantled me, dismantled my faith, challenged me in all kinds of different ways, challenged my faith uh, intellectually, challenged the authority of the Bible. I mean, he he would do it in class in front of everyone. And um, you know, oh. I could feel my just myself get flush and not know how to answer these questions. He would look at me. He'd yep. be like, "Brett, come on, you're the Christian." Yep. And I didn't know what to say. Wow. Can I interrupt for one yeah. second? Because it's like I had this a very similar thing. I went to my freshman year was at UC Santa Barbara, mm. and I took a, a philosophy and ethics class. And one of the texts we studied in that ethics class was the Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. And, but. He basically just started just going in and kind of like just tr- dismantling <laughs> me in, as he was studying the Sermon on the Mount. And I remember raising my hand and being like, I don't think that's what this this part means. And it was one of those rooms of 300 people, wow. you know, and he's the PhD in the front. Yeah. And then I had just deep regrets after I did that, you know, because <laughs> yeah. he just annihilated me. And I yeah. kind of had one of those moments, too, I think, where you're yeah. just like, OK, what, what's going to happen now? Yeah. So how did you respond to that? Yeah, how did you respond? Well, so what I would do is I would, I, you know, I would decline to kind of engage too much uh-huh. in class, at least kind of in debating. I'd, I'd give my view. I'd try to be a light, right? Try to be a witness. But then I could yep. never respond to the challenges. So I didn't want to make, you know, open my mouth and make myself look like a fool. But I didn't, I, I didn't want to make Christ look foolish. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would go to his office, ah. you know, in the privacy of his office. I'd try to debate him. And I, I remember the time, the last time I was in his office, he said, Brett, do you have your Bible on you? 
I was a good Christian kid, right? So got my Bible in my backpack. Yeah, sure. Pulled it out. And he had me pull out a piece of paper and a pen, uh, break that paper up into like three columns, draw two lines, three columns, write Matthew, Mark, and Luke at the top of each column. And then he took me through it like for like an hour. Hmm. He We read through the resurrection account in each gospel, and he had me write down the details, and he showed me the differences. And of course, his claim was, hey, look at all these contradictions in your Bible. Mm. And I, I never had heard this before growing up in the church. And so I'm sitting there just completely stunned, speechless, yeah. and almost shaking, because hmm. I realized, oh my gosh, this, here's the smart guy. Mm-hmm. If he's right, and I'm wrong, or my pastor's wrong, the Bible isn't this authority I thought it was, and it just it just rocked my faith. Yeah. And it made me question everything. And it's like, well, I grew up in the church for the first 18 years of my life. Why haven't I heard this stuff before? Yeah. And uh, and so it sent me on this uh, episode of, of serious doubt, intellectual doubt. And I thought, if this stuff is true, then it should be able to answer these questions. So let's go looking. Yeah, great. And uh, yeah, I so, love that because I think doubt should always lead to digging instead of like disappearing. If I want yeah, to use a D word, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, or disengaging or something. But yeah. like, if yeah, I always tell people like, if you have doubts, that's fine. But let your doubts lead to like pursuit. Yeah, you doubt, know, doubt can be a tool that God uses. Yes. Yes. Uh, to actually to, to strengthen our faith, because I think what that doubt did was help, help me see the, the, the lacking in my faith yeah. uh, and the lacking in my knowledge, uh, which is so tightly connected to our faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, God ended up using the tool of doubt to bring me into a much stronger faith. Right. And, and then I realized, I, I kind of turned around and realized, oh, hey, I'm, I'm doing youth ministry. I'm an intern at my church. I'm working with junior hires. They've got four years, and they're going to be in my situation. Wow! And I wasn't prepared. I'm, I'm going to make sure they're prepared. And so it yeah. gave me a passion to help equip young people with a knowledge of the truth, hmm. uh, so that they, so at, at the very least, their their faith would um, you know be able to stand up against that kind of scrutiny. But but even more so, so they could be a light, so they could be a a, a bright witness. Hmm in a very challenging world. And so yeah. that they gave me a real passion to equip young people with uh, a knowledge of the truth. That's cool. And so then when you, you graduated from Biola, you, st- you were doing youth ministry still, but then you, you kind of moved even further into that world, right? Yeah, I did youth ministry uh, for while I was at Biola, and then afterwards probably for about seven years, or sorry, 11 years, doing junior high, high school, college. And just being in the world of youth ministry, being in the church, realizing that we needed more effort in this because we were losing mm-hmm. so many kids yeah. to just this kind of deep skepticism and secularism of our culture. Mm-hmm. We weren't doing well in equipping them. And just always believe that the, the church is is Jesus's plan A, yeah. and that's the primary vehicle, mm-hmm. but that there are nonprofits and uh, you know parachurch organizations that can really come alongside and help churches. And so I joined up with one. Uh, ministry called Stand to Reason that focused on apologetics and uh, kind of did that for like 14 years. Wait, of, let me stop you right there. Yes. Just for those of us that don't understand what that word means, what's apologetics? Yes. Good, good question. So apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, right? And so First uh, Peter 3.15, uh, we are exhorted and we are challenged to be able to make a defense to anyone who asks, to give a reason for the hope that is in us. And that word defense is the Greek word apologia. So apologetics is making a defense or giving a reason for the hope that we put in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's really, it's answering the why questions. It's helping 
to see that there's evidence for what we believe, that there is, uh, that it's rational to believe what we believe, that it, and that it's actually true. Mm-hmm. It's not just true for me. It's actually true for everybody. It's objectively true. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, our, our family, uh, we were uh, reading through 1 Corinthians 15 this morning with the kids, and I, just that, I, I, we sat back and we asked the kids, I, okay, what are your observations? What do you think about yeah. this? What do you see? And we were talking and, and just looking at the structure that Paul lays out there in 1 yeah. Corinthians 15, he starts with the eyewitness evidence to yeah. the resurrected Jesus. So he's like laying this foundation yeah. that, hey, this stuff actually happened. It's true. Mm-hmm. And then he goes through an objection. Hey, there's no resurrection. And then he says, well, if there is no resurrection, guess what? Your faith is worthless. We're still in our sins. And he kind of deals with that. And then he goes into the implications. Now mm-hmm. now that Jesus is risen, this stuff is true. Here are the implications. Hmm. Resurrected bodies, right? Incorruptible bodies. And hey, death no longer has victory oh, over us. And, and that's kind of a great picture of, of what I felt like we need to do with young people. Give them that foundation so yeah. that then when we tell them, hey, this is God's commands, this is the implications for the Christian life, it's undergirded by the fact this stuff is true. Yeah. And we can know it. That's cool. So you were doing, so with Standard Reason, you're doing apologetics f- for young people specifically. Yeah. Right? Focusing on uh, young, young people as a student impact director there. Okay. And so then, then you, like, so then that had led you to, like, okay, now I, I've kind of got this experience and all this. Now I want to go kind of start this, this thing called Maven. Yeah. Well, what I realize is that um, apologetics is absolutely, I think, necessary for the discipleship of young people in the 21st century, but it's not enough. It's not big enough for Mm -hmm. all the challenges they're facing. So while we need to do good apologetics with young people, and I think particularly at earlier ages to Mm -hmm. lay a good foundation, we also have to help them uh, get a larger, what you might call Christian worldview, yeah. or uh, just, or theology. I mean, that's what theology is. It's our, it's, it's the, the, our view of the world through the lens of the truth of Scripture. And what we need to help them see is how their faith in Christ and the implications of Scripture are relevant to every single area of life. Hmm. And so a lot of that is not your traditional challenging questions like, say, from the atheist or the you know, Right, the why do professor. bad things happen to good people or why yeah. is there suffering in the world? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and they, are, they, they are asking those questions, but often the questions that are, are leading now are more kind of cultural questions that come against the Christian worldview, hmm. that come against scriptural authority. So it's now well, transgenderism, right. or it's just it's technology, right. or it's LGBT, you know, Q yep. issues, yep. And or just sexual sexual li- license. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, not your traditional questions, and mm-hmm. and so realize that we we need to do apologetics, but we need to do more of that, more than just apologetics. We just we need to pass on the Christian worldview, yeah. and also help young people see how. It informs everything that you do, whether whether you go into ministry and are mm-hmm. a pastor, or whether you work for a parachurch, or whether you go into business, yeah. or whether you're a nurse, or whether you're a psychologist. How does Christian truth apply to all of those areas, and how do the, then we live it out? Yeah. And how do we do so intelligently, but also graciously and winsomely, uh, doing good in the world, creating you know beautiful things, and and being a witness kind of holistically to the world. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Love it. So what do you think then are like the, what are those biggest issues that when, you know, when we're thinking about young people, especially for, for parents out there that are 
wanting to raise up their their kids as godly young people who are going to follow Jesus for the long haul because we hear a lot about, you know, young people that kind of go off in their college young adult years. You know, like what do you think are some of the biggest issues that are facing um, these kids or the biggest issues we need to address? Yeah, I think um, number one, it's just knowing knowing the truth, particularly the truth of Scripture. Yeah. And, you know, I remember being young in ministry, being in youth ministry as a youth pastor, and there, you're always kind of pulled, like, what's the next cool thing? What's the, you know, what's that <coughs> sexy thing that's going to be out there in a minute? Okay. Yeah. Can I say sexy? That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just real, no real progressive church here. Um, no, but, you know, well, you're always looking for what's the trend that I need to totally. hook, hook up in. And and I've, I've realized as I've gotten older is that um, the trend will always be the Word of God hmm. and making the Word of God central in our mm-hmm. homes. And uh, I mean, young people, and, well, not just young people, our, our churches, sadly, yeah. are filled with people who don't know mm-hmm. God's Word yeah. whatsoever. I mean, it, yeah. I think it's really bad. And um, and so not they don't know God's word, so therefore they don't know what they believe. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of the things I do in some of my speaking is I do a couple role plays, where if I go in to speak at a group, or maybe it's a group of students or even adults, I'll role play either an atheist or I'll role play a Mormon, and talk about you know kind of the 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 the, the scripture from that point of view. Or as an atheist, I'll come in and just attack you know the and. It's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm not amazed anymore, but uh, <laughs> w- what I've just come to expect is yeah. that within five to ten minutes, I'll, I'll pretty easily be able to dismantle huh. the group, and they'll fall back on kind of Christian cliches. They won't have much to say. They won't challenge me. In fact, they'll be challenged. Mm, yeah. and, um, and and so I think it's just it's epidemic. And mm-hmm. so I think for our children, yeah. I mean, the first thing that we've got to do is lay a solid foundation mm-hmm. of yep. God's Word in our homes, mm-hmm. that it becomes central. And, and, and very practically, that means it, we're reading it on a regular basis, reading it ourselves, yep. uh, studying it ourselves, but also reading it as, as families, studying it as families. Even one thing I've been thinking about, uh, my wife and I have been thinking about, is how do we even organize our house? Mm. How does our physical, how do our physical spaces even communicate this commitment to God's word? So we've mm-hmm. been thinking through about where we place Bibles in our homes, yeah. or how we even decorate the home, mm-hmm. right? Because this is a lot of times we think things like decorating your house or uh, how you even set up a house is, is kind of just neutral, right? And uh-huh. there's no a moral or immoral way That's to true. set up a house, yeah. Yeah. but it's not neutral, right? It, right? Because it always communicates something. And yep. so if... The TV in the middle of the room or the best spot. Right? Yeah, exactly. If, if TV's front and center, that may communicate that that's yep. front and center in your family's life. So we've been thinking through things like that of, uh, you know, and a friend of mine bought me a piece of scripture from like a 400-year-old Bible. Uh, that we're we're in the process of framing that we're going to put up on our mantle because we want that that piece of scripture from this old King James Bible to be front and center. We you know placing Bibles around the house, yeah. looking to figure out maybe uh, places where we can put you know uh, scripture references. Yep, yep. And so it's just kind of a holistic view of not <clears throat> this just like well it's just our little personal quiet time sure right <laughs> thing. It's interesting too because like I think like even in this modern day of even if we read our Bible on our phone or something. It's harder for your kids to sort of catch yeah. you reading your Bible if you do that. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. I remember a big thing for me was catching my dad 
reading his Bible and praying. He had a, my dad always had a little three by mm-hmm. five card that he had all these prayer requests written on let people or things he wanted to pray for, for people. And I remember catching him with his little like three by five card. He'd walk into and the his room Bible. Or when I'd yeah. walk into the room in the morning, you know, yeah. into the living room. Yeah. But like, would my kids just think I'm playing Angry Birds? Like, I don't right. know, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I think that's a really good point. And, mm. and that might be why uh, it, technology is a beautiful, wonderful, mm. great thing. And there's so many benefits, but there might be times when we actually withhold the technology or not use the technology right. because, yeah, typically if we're looking at our phone, it's either doing emails or social media, or and yep. that's what our kids just think. Yep. And we're, we're actually missing an opportunity to model for them. Hey, no, we're actually reading God's word. Yeah. Plus there's the studies on reading yes. on a device, on mm-hmm. a screen, where you don't actually... Uh, retain the, yeah. the the information yep. like in the print the printed word spatial memory or something like that. I right. think my wife is a big proponent. She's an English teacher. She is a huge proponent of paper book reading. Mm-hmm. So, so good, for, mm-hmm. especially for kids. I'd love yeah. to hear that from educators because so <clears throat> yeah. much of the trend in education is to go to technology. Yeah. Right. And now there's some schools that are saying actually this is right. You know, not a good idea. It just looks good on the brochure for the school to say that you just technology. kind of st- <laughs> sticking with the home for a little bit yeah. too. You mentioned that the family went through First Corinthians 15. To Day, your family. I know you have multi multi age kids. Yeah. So what's that look like? On I mean, I know it's messy at times. What's that look like when you have little kids, older kids? When you just yeah. read simply read the Bible together? Yeah, I was gonna. That my my first word was gonna be it's messy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's messy, and, and that's okay. That's just that's life, right? I think uh, it, it's really good to learn as a parent to embrace the mess and to embrace the difficulty. Like, I think we've been conditioned maybe by American culture to think that everything that's good is easy and it should just be nice and smooth and should be nice and neat and clean. And, and that's just not parenting in a fallen world, right? So it's messy. And so we, but, but we, we, we were committed to this, knew this is so central and just said, we're going to push through the mess. We're going to push through those mornings when our kids, you know, get out of bed and we sit down and we're like, yeah, let's get the Bibles out. And they're, they're grumbling or they, you read and they're, They've got blank stares on their face, and you're like, you know, what do you think? And you hear, there's nothing. You're like, do you even love Jesus? I'm not sure deal, kid. You know? Exactly. You know, and or there's, you know, the, the, a fight breaks out in right. the middle of reading God's word. Yes. Yes. It's not like we sit down. There's this whole, you know, the angels are hovering around us. It's just messy, yeah. but and we push through it, and then those beautiful moments happen, uh, and it's it's kind of like. You know, I mean, most of us aren't farmers, but it's that whole idea of like <laughs> yeah. cultivating over time, yeah. tilling the soil, planting seeds. And A, I may not see the result for quite a while, but eventually I, some of those mm-hmm. things sprout up. And so huh. it, it's messy, and but we keep it simple. I think that's one of the keys. We don't have any curriculum. We don't do any preparation. We just decided we're going to start in Matthew. We're going to start with the New Testament and just read mm. through uh, the Gospels, through Acts, through Rome, and, mm. and then go through the epistles. And we just read a chapter a, a day, and it's not every day. Um, it, we, we try to do it as, uh, you know, hope, hopefully typically three to four times a week mm-hmm. in the morning, and we just read it, and then we just say, what do you observe? What do you, you know? And hmm. sometimes the conversation's gone for you know, like an hour. Like, well, it's a really rich mm. conversation. Sometimes it's five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and... and yeah. uh, uh, but we just we stick with it, and it's so it's become this part of our family culture hmm. that's now just expected. I like that. And um, and over time now, it's kind of like feeding your kid good food, right? Yeah. Like my kids want to go to fast food; they want to go Chick Fil A all the time right. or In and Out. 
But as they taste better food over time, they develop a, a, a you know a kind of an appetite yeah. for it, and that's what we've seen with our kids. Oh, that's a good picture. It is. It's a really good it. picture. That's great, and I like yeah. that idea of simplicity. I think that hopefully can be helpful for people listening to that because I think there's some people that devotional books and all that like really do well for them, but like at least in my kind of a family, it's like they just see it as cheese. You know, my kids are like, there can be no devotional book written yeah. that they won't think is cheesy, you know? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, especially like the family devotions time. Yeah. And especially as your kids get older, like where it's minor, like more like that teenage phase of life. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, I think that simplicity could be a way of like seeing that work, you yeah. know? Yeah. And if those books are working for you, great. I don't, I don't mean to disparage them, but I think for a lot of us, we find frustration right, yeah. in that. And I, yeah. think, I think the other barrier too is, people going, what if my kids ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? And I just want to say, even for me, and I'm sure you guys would both agree, there's been plenty of times my kids have said, uh, what's this mean, Dad? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and that's the great thing about it is that like, I, I haven't prepared a lesson, like right. I'm the expert. We really try to approach it as, hey, we're all coming as fellow disciples of mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. my eight-year-old to, to me. And, and we're coming to the text, and we're reading the, the scriptures, and then we're going to wrestle with it together. And so there are times when, yeah, I've had to just say, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. Okay, what do we do? Yep. Like, all right, let's pull out the, the commentary on the shelf over there, or let's, yep. let's do uh, some searching online. And, and we can then discover the answers together. And that's one of the most valuable ways our kids learn is when we do say we don't know, but let's go looking together. That's good. I like that a lot. Okay. So, so there's some of that. So like trying to really be intentional about investing with the word of God in our kids' lives ourselves, not just waiting for them to go to church to do it. That's right. But yeah. doing it, you know, as parents. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the big, big number one issue. Any other kind of stuff that you feel like can help them even with that issue, you know, or like what are, you know, what are some other things we can do to ground, ground them in that? Well, I think a a, a strong partnership with the local church, like it, 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 we go to these extremes. We say, well, sometimes in the (laughs) church, I've been on the church side, we're like, well, no, mom, dad, that's your responsibility to disciple the kids. And and surely it is. That's just the ones we don't like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bring your kid here because we can't help them. Um, and then the, you know, the other side, uh, yeah. sometimes on the church side, or, or I'm sorry, on the parent side, you like drop a kid off at youth group saying, hey, disciple my kid, it's right. all on you, right? And right. I think it's it's not an either or, it's a both and. Like, we should be redoubling our efforts in, in the home, but we yep. need the church uh, uh, to be a vital ally in that. And yeah. so I want to see youth ministries and children's ministries that are also centered on the word, yeah. um, and that are going deeper, and that just reinforce what we're doing at home, and we're reinforcing what's going on at church, and um, uh, you know, so I think that's that's so vital. We need those allies. Yeah. We need those other families around us. We need that alternate culture because I think yeah. the church should be this great alternative culture that our kids can go into and find a different place than they they find it at school, maybe Monday through Friday, or out with their friends, or at work, or whatever, yeah. where the stuff that maybe we're teaching at home as parents seems maybe not so normal compared to what they're getting five days a week, but then they go, and they're at church, and they're with you know the, the, the people at church, the community, the body of believers, and they say, oh, okay, yeah, this is, no, this is, this is normal for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Do you think uh, we also could, like... When it comes to this thing with the Word of God, especially with young people, and I see this, I feel like a lot, and it's, I feel like it's even growing, even though it's was big, is just a, a lack of trust in the reliability of Scripture, you know, and 
So I was trying to think of just it's even like ways that a parent, especially a parent who's out there, it's, they're not some biblically trained person or some, you know, apologetics trained person, you know, and it's like even coming alongside orgs like yours or Standard Reason or others, like even your kids could even go to a conference or, yeah. you know, or yeah. get some help with that. Right. Yeah, you there, know? There's a, there are great resources out there. Um, I think that the, the great thing is that when our, our kids ask us some of these kind of questions, when they question yeah. like, the Bible, yeah. um, there are tons of great resources out there. I mean, here's a, a really good book that's accessible to non-Bible scholars, yeah. but it's called Questioning the Bible by Jonathan Morrow. Um, it, it's a great book that just covers uh, a bunch of different questions, because I think that's that that skepticism now is kind of ingrained in our culture and so we've got to help our our kids answer those questions right because yep. you're not gonna you're not gonna submit to an authority you don't trust yeah mm. and so we often and especially an older generation just says hey the bible's the word of god yeah you know and all the old people are like amen amen Sorry, yeah if you're old i didn't mean to call <laughs> i you think old. we're calling ourselves old here <laughs> in our, our 40s you know yeah <laughs> Uh, but, you know, in an older generations, like, amen, no question about it. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, 40 and under for sure, it's it's like you say the Bible's the Word of God, and like, eh, I don't know about that, and right. I got about this question, and well, what about that Old Testament ethics stuff? Right, and, you know, what about the three columns on, you know, yeah. on on uh, the resurrection story? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, we need to, we need to um, I think, know some apologetics. That's yep. just... I think every believer should know some basic apologetics. There's all kinds of resources out there. It doesn't mean you have to have it at your fingertips. But when your kid asks you a question you don't know, uh, it should be motivation to go find out the answer yep. and not put that off. Yep. But then a really great organization is uh, actually connected to Jonathan Morrow, who wrote that book. Mm. It's called Impact 360. Mm. And they do these week-long camps for students. Mm. They actually have a five-day camp called Propel. Uh, that you can send your student to. They do a two-week worldview camp that's just kind of comprehensive hmm. that uh, it, it's worth investing. It, it's a little bit of investment. It's like, yeah. you know, camp costs 1500 bucks. You got to fly them to a different state. Um, but I, I remember as a parent myself, I had to think, okay, uh, what's my priority? What, what's my primary responsibility mm-hmm. as a follower of Jesus? in terms of raising kids? Yeah. Well, is to disciple them in the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That that supersedes their academic success. Yep. That goes above and beyond any kind of uh, athletic, uh, you know, success or sports or you know, I mean, all that stuff. Totally. And we had, and my oldest daughter, she played club basketball. She was in club volleyball. She got a scholarship to play in college. So we were in that world, but we had to, as parents, say, "Hey, are we willing to invest money, just like I am in that week-long basketball camp?" or thousands of dollars into a club commitment, am I willing to take that or if, or even more money and invest that in my kid's spiritual that's development? Yes. Yeah. And, and so it really, we had to say, yeah, absolutely, that's, that's more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so we you know, sent her to, uh, we didn't do Impact 360, we did Summit, that's another ministry yeah. that has a two-week worldview mm-hmm. camp. So there's all, there's all kinds of allies out there. Huh. That parents who say, "Hey, I'm not fully equipped for this." Well, right. there, there, there's these great organizations that are doing some good stuff. Yeah, to help and them. Brett, we know you have a conference too, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, last year, through that and other ministries, you traveled over 100 plus days on the road, yeah. and even just thinking through that, you've gotten to see a lot of different churches and states and kids and families. What are some things that actually are encouraging you, though, as you took this tour of America in the last two years or so? Yeah, that's a great question, and um, 
it's uh, it, it, I think sometimes it's it's uh, we, we're so focused on the challenges yeah. that we need to ask this question more. Like, where yeah. where is God working? Where do you see Him working? And um, I, I actually think that the challenge. I, so I think the challenges in the culture are increasing. Mm-hmm. We see this on uh, the social level. We see it on the political <laughs> level. We see it in business. We see it on all kinds of levels. And a lot of Christians are, you know, kind of bemoan that. And there are some there's some things I think to mourn sure. in the culture because I think the, the increasing brokenness is going to, you know, just lead to hurt hurt people, yeah. you know, who aren't flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what it's one of the things I, I see happening is I think I, uh, I, I see the church waking up a little bit mm-hmm. and realizing um, that we, we aren't in some Christian culture that reinforces what we're doing here on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever or in our homes, and that we actually need to step it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think the, the, the challenge for, uh, is, is actually motivating some Christians to say, hey, let's step up. And, and it motivated me to start Maven and to mm-hmm. say, hey, let's start a whole new work that's going to come alongside the church. So I think um, that's been encouraging is seeing the response of Christians who are, who are, who are not defeatist, mm-hmm. who haven't lost hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who are speaking hopefully because their 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 faith isn't in uh, you know the current political system or who's mm-hmm. in office or mm-hmm. any of that. Their faith is in the risen Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who will never be put back in the grave. Right, right. And uh, so I, I, that that's very encouraging mm-hmm. is to see people starting to step up and go, okay, yeah, things are getting worse, but you know, Jesus overcomes it all. And we're going to be activated. Yep. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think seeing people be be, be activated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what's that other, like, what's the other main realm that you think that we need to kind of be looking at? You know, you said, like, the Word of God, what's the, like, that kids have challenges with or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the I big one, them. yeah, the big one that parents are, are talking about is, mm-hmm. is technology. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I think we all know it. We <laughs> see it, uh, you know, technology is, is omnipresent. Wait, yeah, I didn't hear yeah, you. I was looking at my phone. What'd you say? <laughs> Did you quit tweeting that? Yeah, exactly. I just made my first TikTok video this last weekend. Just Did you really? Yeah. With, of what? With my with my kids. What was the song? Oh, with the, like the Renegade song. There's this like Renegade song, this song called Renegade that like everybody does like this little dance to. Oh, you know, yeah, it's like this. Yeah, right. it's like everybody I look know, up I Eric Wakeling on TikTok. I'm a Pittsburgh fan. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. That's why. I like. They play that the Steeler Stadium. So I only know it as a TikTok song, which is like a thing that like my kids like listen to radio and they say, oh, yeah, that's a TikTok song. And I'm like, I don't know if that's like. <laughs> OK, anyways, back to technology. No, 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 no. Oh, Come on. You, no, no, like, what, yeah. What's the TikTok account? I'd like, I'd like to go see this <laughs> You'd like TikTok to go see my video. dance? Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I don't know. I'm not giving it to you. It's my kid's account. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be weird, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I know. But that's just how pervasive technology is. Whether yeah. it's like Twitter, TikTok, there's all these things. People might be listening and be like, "I don't even know what TikTok is," and you're like, "No, every kid in the world knows what TikTok is." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, a smart talk about the most misnamed device in the world: a smartphone. I mean, this is, this is you know. Yeah. Most people actually don't, especially a younger generation, don't even use it as a phone. Yeah, uh, it's uh, you know, it's it's everything from an alarm clock to your your banking system to yeah. you know social media. So I think technology is a huge challenge. Parents yep. are are really struggling with how to manage this thing, and yep. a lot of it's new for us. And it is kind of, in a sense, a big social experiment because we've just kind of handed this technology. We've gotten the technology. We're handing it over now to our kids who are now growing up with it from the earliest of ages. Mm -hmm. And now I think there's a sense of, hey, okay, yeah, this is not all good. 
and it's doing things to kids. In fact, what we're seeing is a correlation between the rise of technology and the rates of anxiety and depression in mm-hmm. young people now. Yeah. Like just absolutely skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. And now people are kind of starting to sound the alarm like, hey, we, we got to wake up on this. And so I think that's, yeah. I think that's the, 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 the big one is how do you manage all of these different technologies? I mean, not only you got the smartphone, you got the TV. And yep. then, then not only do you have the TV, but you have Netflix mm-hmm. and, you know, these, these streaming platforms. And then you've got social media platforms, yep. right? And so it's, it's just kind of multifaceted. And then it's just then entertainment and music yep. and just the content there. Right. So there's so much. And I think parents are overwhelmed The stuff we were only, like, our, our parents and youth pastors were worried about, like, the TV show, like, watching watching MTV and listening to, like, <laughs> like heavy metal music or whatever, yeah. you know? Yes. For, yeah. <laughs> and, my and parents. Back, back masking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, backward yeah, masking. For, I've totally forgotten about Led that. Led Zeppelin, Stairway <laughs> to Heaven says Satan backwards or whatever, you know? Like, I, I, I watched all those videos when I was a kid, like from the scare videos from, yeah. from my youth pastor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we don't want to also just be that where it's like, you know, in Alarmist, 20 years, yeah. they're laughing at us because right. this is how we tried to help them with technology. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah but what, what we're finding is a social science now has kind of come alongside and saying, and, and so it's not just Christians who are saying right. this, but social scientists who are saying, wait, wait a second, look what's going on mm-hmm. with young people, especially for girls. It's worse for girls. Mm. Um, and uh, there's some different people who are doing some work on this, but just just seeing the correlation between the rise of the, particularly the smartphone, and then the the, the increase in anxiety and depression, yeah. mm-hmm. rates of suicide, that kind of thing yeah. amongst young people. It's, I mean, it's astronomical. Yeah. And uh, so how do how do we how do we not throw it all out? Say all right. technology is bad. Right. Uh, but how do we navigate it wisely? And I think this is where, you know, it's not it, it, technology. When we look at like a, something like a smartphone, mm-hmm. I think what we want to teach our kids is that it, it's not immoral to own a smartphone. I mean, all of us in here have a smartphone. Ninety yep. percent of our you know, congreg- ninety-five percent of our congregations have a smartphone. Yep. But it's also not neutral, hmm. meaning just your use of that thing will move you in a direction, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And it, it, it's always going in a direction. It's always pushing us in a direction. Uh-huh. And, and and a way to maybe illustrate this is to think about. Maybe the way, uh, this is just one example, how we watch movies, right? So it used to be in the old olden days, right? Mm-hmm. You, you went to the theater, you went with a group of people, mm-hmm. you sat in a, a theater where there's, a, you know, 100 seats or something, and then a movie is publicly projected for all to watch and mm-hmm. see. So there's this kind of public display, uh, there's a, a group of people, a community, mm-hmm. there's a shared experience, and then you walk out and often you're talking about it, you go to mm-hmm. dinner or whatever, and, and so you've had the shared experience. Well now think about how we watch so much of our movies today on a device. Right. Uh, I, TV I, was at least the family. Yeah. Maybe, right? The family watch, maybe watching together. Yeah, exactly. But then you get to the device. Exactly. Right. Now we're yeah. the device and it's it's complete isolation, yeah. right? Yeah. I put on headphones. Yeah. I have this experience all by myself. Yeah. I watch this thing. I consume this piece of media by myself with no no shared experience, no accountability, right? Mm-hmm. No one kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no sense of, oh, something up on the screen is, you know, uh, kind of appropriate off, or not or yeah, whatever. appropriate yeah. off limits, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, now no one, no one knows whether yep. I'm, you mm-hmm. know, doing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, so notice just the use of that changes the nature yeah. and, and it has a different effect on us. And so now you, you put that kind of stuff, 
Uh, you take that, that kind of situation and now let a young person who hasn't developed mm-hmm. the maturity, the inner strength, the character, the, yep. you know, the virtue, and now you give them that situation where now they're uh, this isolated experience mm-hmm. and, and they can watch whatever they want. And, right. Man, that's, and, yeah, it's not neutral. Right. right. And we have like their, their well-being and self-image being shaped by the comments and likes of others and, yeah. know, and all of that. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, the whole system of, of, of likes and followers, mm-hmm. right? That's the, again, that's, it's not immoral to like something or to follow someone, but what the question is, is that neutral? No, it does something to us. Yep. Even adults. Totally. I, mean, I talk to adults, young, uh, moms who say, I had to get off of Instagram because I was seeing these perfect pictures that my mm-hmm. friends were posting and it made me, I, I was so dissatisfied with my life and I was depressed and mm-hmm. and they had to get off of it, mm-hmm. right? And so those kinds of things, the, the amount of likes that you yep. get for posting a certain kind of picture. Yep. And right? kids will like, uh, I mean, maybe others do it, but I see it with kids, but like where you delete, you have posts and if a post doesn't get enough likes, that post gets deleted. Wow, yep. So it looks like all your posts have a lot of likes and it's mm-hmm. a thing to be really worried about. Even sort of contacting your friends before you're going to put up a post mm-hmm. and like, Hey, I'm about to go, you know, live. I'm about to go live with this yeah. essentially. Yeah. And then, you know, making sure it's just like instant, you know, lots of likes and comments because that'll help yep. it. Yeah, it's yeah. tough, especially man. a young person who's trying to form their identity. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they they wrap in their social media platform into identity, right? Yep. Who they are. Yep. And um, yeah, so technology is huge. So technology is huge. So I kind of and. And, you know, so we can maybe let the cat out of the bag. That's what uh, the Maven Conference this year is really going to be all about, right? Here at Calvary Church. Yes. Yeah. So we have a Maven Adult Conference, and it really is for anyone who is influencing a young person zero to 18 years of age. So it's not just parents, but it is parents. It's grandparents. Yeah. It's youth workers. It's home home educators, homeschoolers, it's uh, Christian educators, it's uh, Sunday school teachers. I mean, mm. anyone who has any position to right. mentor. Small group leaders. Young, and, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And this is where I think, w- w- given the kind of the culture and where it's at and the challenges of the culture, we just need more and more allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we need to kind of come together as the body of Christ and say, hey, in all these different ways that we're influencing young people, how do we do this better? How do we... Mm-hmm. And particularly our theme this year for the Maven Conference is helping young people navigate a world of screens. Mm. Okay. Uh, and so we have a, a great line of speakers, and we're, we're definitely uh, privileged to have Calvary Church host this year's conference. It's February 28th and 29th. Yes, leap year. It's We have That's 29th. Right. It's the leap year this That's year. That's right. We'll That's never be able to do it again on the same day. <laughs> well, not for four years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in four years, we'll have you guys host <laughs> Yeah, we'll only, we'll only host it on leap years. I'm sorry. That, is that in the contract? <laughs> right. No, we are honored, though, to partner together with you on this. Yeah, yeah, February 28th, 29th. And like, so who are some of these speakers and what, what, what are the kind of, what are the things they're going to talk about? Yeah, so uh, there's a gal named Kathy Cook, uh-huh. um, who is uh, just this uh, wonderful woman who has a, a great ministry. She's written a book called Screens and Teens, mm-hmm. uh, and she just has so much wisdom and insight. Uh, and she's going she's gonna to kick off in the conference and talk about the kind of technology and what it does to us and what we have to be aware of. And, yeah. uh, and then we have John Stone Street, who's the president of the Colson Center, uh, he's going to do, do a talk called "Amusing Ourselves to Death" and looking mm-hmm. at kind of this culture of entertainment. Wow! Uh, you know, and he's got, a massively influential person, and like you know, yeah, he's a great communicator. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. And that—that's one of the 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 the, uh, the kind of the keys in 
the speakers that we bring in. Yeah. We w- not only want to bring in smart people. Yeah. Who know their stuff, but they also have to be able to communicate well. And sure. both yeah. Kathy and John are excellent mm. communicators. Mm-hmm. I think people who come to the conference are 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 um, they're going to walk away uh, not just with more knowledge, but they're going to walk away motivated and inspired and equipped. That's cool. And uh, Jonathan Morrow from Impact Three Hundred and Sixty oh, is right. going to be uh, speaking Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. He'll be doing, going speaking uh, Saturday morning at the main session, uh, and then we've got two sets of breakouts. Uh, and Natasha Crane, who you're yeah. from Calvary Church. Calvary, Calvary Church, remember? Yeah, yeah, she's going to be doing uh, some breakouts. My wife Erin Kunkel is going to be doing some breakouts, uh, and the breakouts are designed to kind of supplement uh, the, uh, kind of the technology theme. So the main sessions will be on technology. We'll probably have one or two breakouts on technology, but then we're going to hit other things because it's not just hey, here, are the, here, here's the warning about technology, but what are the other things that we need to bring in? So, uh, like for instance, John's going to talk about how how do we read the scripture mm-hmm. with our kids? How do we teach the, uh, our kids the scriptures? That's huge. Uh, Aaron's going to talk about discipline. She's got a, a, a great talk on how we discipline kids because that's a foundation yep. from very early on. And it's going to lay a foundation for managing technology mm-hmm. uh, later on, if you lay that foundation discipline. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll wrap it up, uh, the, the, the conference, with trying to help parents develop a family technology plan. Hmm. Okay, practically, how does all this knowledge work out in a very practical plan that we can kind of yep. uh, you know, build into the culture of our families? That sounds so great. I mean, it's yeah. like how... It's like... I don't know if there could be a more relevant yes. <laughs> topic like for for all of us. It's so huge, and we all feel it. And you know, I do think it's important too for people like to know, like to come to something like this where you can also you can learn all of the the content and information. But hopefully, too, they can come and like have some. Like you say, we all need allies. We we need like friends in this mm-hmm. together. That to be arm in arm. And like I've even found that in our sort of like friendship communities of of other parents. It's like it's also helpful if we can all kind of be you know, similar in the sort of rules that we have, and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And so I, I know even like some of us, we've like shared these sort of cell phone contracts that we have. Like when your kid gets their first phone, yeah. like, hey, here's the the contract that we're working through and just kind of help trying to help each other in this yeah. mission. And then, you know, hopefully the then we're also having similar requirements in our kids and, and things we're working on them with. So they're not just getting like dragged down by you know, by their like church friend, you know, whose yeah. parents have no rules about this stuff. Sure. And it's yeah. brutal. Exactly. Exactly. It'd be great to have <laughs> groups of parents attend the conference together. Yeah. Youth staff come mm-hmm. together yes. so that, yeah. So we can get on the same page. We can help create uh, the same culture within our churches, in our homes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if people are interested in the information, yes. you get all the information at mavenconferences.com. Okay. You can see the lineup. They can register there. Uh, get all the details. Great. Mavenconferences.com. And we'll be we'll be talking about it too, uh, even more here at Calvary. So you'll you'll see it on our stuff as well. But yeah, I think this is good. This has been a great way for us to yes. kind of like get to know a little bit more about you and, and the work that you're doing and the way that you know people can really just help raise up their the the, the young people that they have influence um, with in their lives. Yeah. So. Well thanks for having me on. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks for listening to the Calvary Life Podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.